Hello, welcome back to How Not To Be An... Ah, uh, wait. Yeah, welcome back to How Not To Be An Asshole, Season 4, Episode 8. I was going intru- to... What happened then? I was going to... I was just going to introduce... <laughs> I was just, doing another podcast somewhere. Yeah. No, nah, I was gonna. Side I was, was going to change the name for my episodes and call it the Dum Dum Hour, because <laughs> after listening to Sam's episode last week, I feel so fucking stupid. Yeah, I agree. Right. Yeah, ridiculously good. He's too smart, too articulate, and also, like the conversations he's having, uh, feel really fucking important. Like as. Yeah. As a straight person listening to Sam have a conversation about queer issues, it's like, ah, oh, this is a conversation I have no input or value to offer. And those are probably like the best conversations to hear on a podcast, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And he's funny. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, he's 10 out of 10. Yeah, he's got all the things. He's articulate, mm. very smart. And very funny. Fucking hell. Um, but trust this episode's good. If you're stupid mm. like me, you might enjoy this episode. It's a bit easier to grasp. Yeah, and I'll apologise for any banging or power tools in the background of my um, I don't audio. Think, I'm I getting a new deck. I don't, I, I don't hear any. Did you, Dan? You've got the attuned ear. The... No, not at all. Dan has like no, a... Good. Dan has the same sort of ears as an eagle. That's fine. That hidden inside his head. Yeah, there's no outer ear. It's just like all inner ear. I've never heard anyone say very eagle-eared. Yeah, people say that all the time. Um, I did Dom's writing course last week. Oh, Oh, did you? How'd you find it? It was trash. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I was... Uh, as much as I hate to admit, it was really fucking good. Um, Dom's really come along in leaps and bounds in the last few years. Do you want to hear something I wrote at the writing course? Yep. So this is against the advice of my writing teacher. um, Because he says... What does he say? He's like, don't show anyone your drafts. And this is my... That's right. He's forsaken us tonight anyway. So this is what he gets. Yeah, well, fuck, I don't listen to him, really. But this this is my second draft. And he reckons there should be like, I don't know, at least five drafts. It's way too many. Yeah. Um, Okay. Werner's sleep talking. She's so tiny. She's so small. Who? One championship. What? It's 10 p.m., an uncivil hour now I own a business in Smart Lights. It's a peaceful neighborhood for the most part, but for the neighbors. If advertising were honest, they'd be on the tourism ads for Australia. Human dim sims deep fried in VB and piss and racism. She's trying to punch a hole through my door. I think it's an Uber Eats guy. Uber Eats guys are allowed to punch my door. I welcome the anger of exploited labor and delicious treats. Someone else answers the door. Louis, I presume. Off to pizza in bedtown. But moments pass and I hear murmurings of war. I stumble out in boxes. Good MMA fight attire, but undignified with this belly and a potential nature strip scrap with the neighbours on today's card. I think that's all I had. Whoa. So, I like it. Thanks, it's only the second draft. Wait till I um Ooh. do a fifth or sixth draft. <laughs> Throw us away. You might have to take over for Dom then. Yeah. Um, speaking of Dom, How Not To Be In A House Arsehole is available on all platforms. <laughs> <laughs> I had to explain that to my mum. <laughs> she was well, like, why does Dom... Because I said something about Dom hating platforms. She was like, what are the platforms and why does Dom hate them? And I was like, oh, it's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> Do you just say he's a commodinous prick? <laughs> no, nah, but I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's probably the easiest way to explain him and his um, him finding promoting the podcast irksome <laughs> during the podcast. Yeah, God forbid we promote it. Um, thanks to yeah. our patrons, we have not provided any bonus content because I'm not really sure why. No, we're all useless. <laughs> 
do you do you know what's going on, Dan? No clue. I just work here. Alright. Happy you out, Dan. Happy, happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Um what does Christmas mean to you guys? Um fuck. Drunk family members. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Now, this is my first Christmas being rich, so now Christmas means, <laughs> Christmas to me means that I'm going to stunt on everyone with the gifts I buy. Nice. Yeah. For Jesus. Yeah. For consumerism. Yeah. Yeah. For capitalist Jesus, I'm going to stunt on all my friends and family by buying extravagant gifts for people. Every year, my family, like, we all decide that no one's going to get anyone any presents. But then every year, everyone breaks the rule and buys people presents. And I'm like... Yeah. Oh. I'm presuming you're from a poor family then, because that's what my poor mm. family does as well. Yeah. We're like, oh, let's ease the financial burden. And we're yeah. just like, won't get presents. And then people just do anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hard not to want to buy people presents, though. Buying presents is fun. Yeah, it is fun. And um, I get see. I got a present the other day. I got a black diamond. Ooh. I'm t- I'm turning into Dom, but except with cool shit. No, like, it's not. <laughs> it's not like a clay pig flute or some shit. But I actually, I'll have to admit, I I quite liked his collection of um clay things that he had on his windowsill. Oh, that shit is stupid, Kai. I pay no mind to that. Be yeah, imp- I'll, I'll start um, liking black diamonds now. Yeah, too. be impressed by my diamond collection. All right, with that, <laughs> should we get into this episode then? Yeah, let's do it. Dan, you know what to do, you bastard. I've missed you, Dan. <laughs> Play the music now. Well, it's good to be back. We're going to get things back on track now. Don't get an inkling that this podcast is on the way out. No, this podcast is never going to die. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to bring that up. Oh, Dan's made a fucking mockery of this once great podcast. But... Um. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to legislate Dan's relationship. <laughs> Dan, you know what to do. Alright. Hello. Oh, no. That's the intro. Oh, <laughs> We record the intro later. Uh, this week's guest is Hohepo Temuana. He is many things, and I'll get you to run through some of the things you've done before, Heps, and what you're doing currently. But um, the way I always think of you is like a quite a present community member of our hometown, New Plymouth. So I'm sure everyone, uh, particularly people from more the smaller parts of Aotearoa, you know, you have those people who are kind of prominent community members, community builders, and that's kind of the way I view you. Is that is that an accurate de- depiction of you and what you do? Yeah, bro, I'd say that's that's pretty fair. And to be honest, it's probably only recently that I've got comfortable with people saying that or acknowledging that. For a long time, I'd be like, nah, nah, that's not me, that's not me. But um, yeah, man, I'd say that that's fair. I'm, I'm someone who's out and about quite a bit. I'm very passionate about um, this little town that we come from and the region, the wider region itself. So mm. not just New Plymouth, the city, but Tarnaki, the region. Mm. Um, yeah, the place done a lot for me, bro, so I do as much as I can to, to do things back. Yeah, beautiful. So in, in regards to, to you being where you are today, what you've done many things. So you're like, you do a lot of emceeing duties. Uh, you've done DJing. What else? I know there's a number of things. Yeah, bro, there's a bit, eh? Like, yeah, I suppose um, when I was 15, I got an internship straight out of school. Well, while I was still at school, uh, when I was what they call year 11 now, but what we used to call sixth form. Um, yeah, so I got a radio internship, and I guess With that kind of opened the door to me being out and about. Um, so... Yeah, I was still at school, second to last year, started working at the radio. That got me into emceeing um, events, so local concerts, uh, all that sort of stuff. Uh, I got onto it like that, and then things kind of just escalated. I started DJing while I was at school as well. Um, I was just a dude at the party that always had all the tapes or the CDs and 
the vinyls and because dad had a pretty mad vinyl collection so i used to pinch vinyls and rock up the parties and stuff with all these different tools so that kind of helped with the networking uh, so yeah djing emceeing i did a bit of stand-up comedy for a while when i was living in aussie oh serious yeah bro yeah so did a bit oh, of stand-up so and that was always a bucket list you know I, when i was a kid i i wanted to be billy t but like, that was my big thing yeah right I wanted to be um firemen and policemen and stuff i wanted to be the next billy t james so that's yeah. more brave, I reckon, being a stand-up comedian. It's scary. Oh, <laughs> fuck yeah. I, yeah I, well, I, didn't, I didn't realize kind of, I didn't see that side of it. I guess I guess the, the, the younger me or the little me kind of got obsessed with the fact that he made people laugh. And I kind of didn't think about the work. I, like the journey didn't cross my mind. It was just a destination. Yeah, and obviously right. as The more real it becomes, you kind of click as to what actually required and what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but of that, uh, I used to get paid to play video games, which was like a a goal that I had as a kid as well, um, pretty much because I used to see a girl, I used to play a lot of video games, and her dad always used to say to me, why do you waste the time doing that stuff for? So I kind of had it in my head, like, I'm going to prove you wrong, sort of buzz, um, and then did a bit of that. So, yeah, but I've been quite lucky. I, I wouldn't say I've ever really worked. I've been paid to play for a very long time. Yeah, that's fucking sick. And I think, I think like, the bravery class speaks about so you know from our perception it's bravery and for you it was probably just kind of an unbridled desire to do do the things you wanted to do um i think that kind of speaks to like the way i view you as part of our community because you seem to to have an ability to kind of bridge communities or go between different communities be in different spaces and be really comfortable in them which is, I don't, I don't know how other people from other places feel, but I think, like, knowing the community you're from, I th that's a big deal to me. Like, that's, that doesn't happen for lots of people in New Plymouth or Taranaki. Do you reckon? Yeah, I, I definitely, it's funny where, like, this conversation's kind of coming up a lot more as I get older. Mm. Mm. Um, because in my head, it's always been kind of one spot, right? But yeah. as I get older, I start to hear other people's stories or perceptions of like, nah, bro, like if you're from Spotswood, you can't go hang with dudes in Fitzroy or <laughs> you can't go hang out in Vogeltown and, you know, yeah. all these different spots, like your, your different demographics and stuff like that. Um, mm. I was kind of obnoxiously ignorant to the fact that those barriers existed. Yeah. Word, but I was just totally unaware, man, because like... I was a, you know, I, I got um, legally emancipated as a kid from my parents. So um, I was a ward of a state there for a bit. So like Helen Clark technically was mum. So like, <laughs> so I, I moved from, you know, different hoods and it was no big deal. So it would be like a new family. But to me, that was just the family. And it wasn't really until... I guess like kind of just out of school like that when school finished and then you're like flatting and partying and all that bullshit. That's when some of the things kind of started to surface where I realized like, Hey, actually my crew over here don't hang out with this crew over here. Like, why is that? And that had just been everyone else's normal, but I had no, I was oblivious, bro. <laughs> so is that just, is that just your nature? Do you reckon? I think because like, so if I use that example as a reference again, right, of being everybody's kid, they all took me in and, and they all looked after me. So, like, to me, that was normal to do the same with others. Like, just because people come from a different spot. Like, I, so I grew up in Spotswood, bro. I was born and raised mm. in Spotswood originally. But then, you know, I'd go and stay with some of these places. It's like, it doesn't really, I, don't, I think a lot of these barriers don't exist anymore. But I know when I was a kid, and you probably had it when you were a kid too, bro. Yeah. Like, people from Spotswood, just didn't hang out with kids from Maryland. Yeah. Like it just didn't happen. And yeah. so that was, unless you like played on a sports team or something together, maybe, mm. but even still like a lot of these suburbs had their own sports clubs. Like they yeah. didn't really put up. Yeah. Even that so, was segregated to some degree. Yeah. So then I, I saw a lot of that, I guess too, but when, because all these, these places were kind of real accepting on me, I think that created the nature like, I don't think I was that by default. I think these people that took me and they helped create that, what you referred to as nature. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, I think, I guess, like, yeah, you know, being a ward of the state, 
be Māori and um, it, it all makes it more remarkable for me because my, my view of the place was like I, I was hyper aware of the segregation of the mm -hmm. town um, and very much felt that and kind of like, li like lived in a bubble of like poor working class people and then when I came back as an adult, I was like, oh, this is a rich place. Like, but I've been oblivious to that most of my life because I was just not involved in any rich shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was like, it was a real re realization coming back as a semi-matured adult and kind of seeing the place for what it actually was, like seeing the different uh, segmentations of community and, and whatnot. So yeah, I guess for me, viewing someone who like moves all between all those different communities is quite incredible to me. Is it, Kai, is it similar in, in your hometown? Yeah, um, I mean, also I'm from Rotorua, just so you know. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't want to say it. <laughs> not, like, rolling that R, eh? Yeah. Um, nah, it's, it's not so bad, I don't reckon. Like, there's definitely like cliques, but they all sort of like, are like happy to hang out together like i'm from a place called nongi like and like i feel like that's like a real like everyone's like ngo 357 like that's like <laughs> the thing but like i don't know there's it's not like you wouldn't hang out with people from other parts of town but there's definitely yeah like those segregations Wait, but like what you're talking what's Sorry, your area but, what's your area called nongi <laughs> nongi yeah, Nongataha so, is the full name. I was, yeah. was going to ask if that was Nongataha because you're right. Like I've got mates that I met in Perth that are from Nongataha and they are like, oh, true. they like rep it hard. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like they're, they're immensely proud to be from Nongataha. Yeah. It's real. Like, I think that's like the, the main one. I always said like if I ever did get into Parliament one day, I'd say 357 in my maiden speech. Just <laughs> yeah. a shout out to my to Nongi. <laughs> Do you have it tattooed? I don't, but I okay. should get it. Right. Yeah, sorry, but did, I interrupted because I wanted Fuck to. I don't know what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Um, so speaking about uh, these different segments of community, and I've, I also feel like, because I, I wanted to, to speak to you about, or you both about Māori wards, and I guess, like, this feels to me like a more prominent issue in the provincial areas, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So sorry to all our Auckland listeners who probably don't give a fuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to explore it a bit and I was doing some reading today because to be honest, I knew fuck all about this. I just, I was just like, oh, that's something I obviously support without knowing anything about it, which is... <laughs> now that you've read about it, bro, do you still support it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Even more so now I have some facts. But like you guys could probably help me out, but I'll give the I'll give the listeners like myself um, some context. So, from what I understand, a Maori ward works much like the Maori electorate, but at a local government level, right? So, yep. it's gonna it would serve the purpose of more Maori representation on local councils, yeah. Yeah. And so, in the process of. Uh, people endeavouring to set up Māori wards in their local council, because it's up to the council, I believe. But yeah. um, Don Brash and his his homies, his homies at <laughs> Hobson's Pledge, yeah, they went on a campaign against Māori wards and they can set up a petition in an area. So they did it in New Plymouth, for instance, I believe. They set up a uh, uh, petition, and if they get 5% of the populace to sign it... 5% the enrolled electorate, yeah. Yeah, then they can have a... Well, so it's the enrolled electorate. Yeah. Then they can have a referendum on whether there is a, a Māori ward on the council or not. And the, the results of those referendums are pretty pretty devastating really like in, in New Plymouth it was 83% of people voted against having a Māori ward mm -hmm. yeah so you, you you've been quite a, quite involved in this hips like I, I've seen you involved in a lot of the debate and 
discussion. And, <laughs> and I think because you're always like a very diplomatic person and I think it's part of that, that, um, you, that community-minded thing and I think that awareness of you being a person who can, can be a bridge between communities. But I saw you, I think, for the first time publicly getting pretty angry uh, at, at racists and uh, people that we have on council or involved in local politics in Taranaki. Yeah, bro. So, yeah, I guess, like, it's funny, it all, it all kind of ties in, right? Like we mentioned before, I guess, about my experience um, coming up and moving from house to house and things like that. So the I guess the reason why I can kind of move so fluidly between the segments of the community and why I'm confident in doing so is because I know that everyone's got their shit like you know what um rich people will hate on poor people and poor people hate on white people um, rich people sorry and it all like happens and these assumptions that are made about Parkia and assumptions that are made about maori and all these kind of misconceptions but it's, it's real crack up like for me because i've lived in all these different segments like i wouldn't say i know everyone's shit but i know we've all got flaws so that's why mm. i just move into these different parts with no worries because they can give me shit about what they want it's quite likely that i know what they've like the dirt on them, so to speak. Not that I never use it, but I'm just mm. like, everyone's got their shit, so why the fuck does it matter? And yeah. so when it comes to the Māori Ward stuff, um, yep, you're right, bro. Like I typically quite chilled out and don't get in the ring with these sort of things. Like I was always one of those people that would too hard basket anything political. Yeah, like right. Be like, you know, I'd see shit go down on TV or whatever, and I'd be like, like whatever. Like doesn't affect me. I don't care. And to be honest, it... I probably still feel like that in ways, but now that, because I'll be like, as much as, you know, on paper, it sounds shit. Like, oh, the bro was a ward of the state. He got emancipated from his parents, blah, 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 blah. It looks shit on paper, but I'm, I'm super privileged to have the upbringing that I got to experience because I got, because I got to experience so many households and segments of the community. To me, that was a crash course in getting to know a better Aotearoa mm. because I got to be a part of so many cross segments yeah so with the maori ward stuff yeah i guess like the big thing that made me throw my head in the ring or kind of jump in and and, and become a part of um what's the word like the discourse or eliminating a lot of those assumptions is because like i just saw the misinformation that was getting peddled and mm. i saw the massive injustices from it like you know i've, I've got a buddy i've got a flipping it's 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 a bit sad, but it's cool at the same time. I've got a Facebook status that is kind of blowing up at the moment, where I use the analogy of a phone charger. Oh yeah, I wanted to bring that yeah. up because I I saw. Have you seen that, Kaya? Yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, I, my friend Damaris, who owns Coco's Cantina in Auckland, I mm. saw her share that on her Instagram, and the post like it read Hohepa Timawana, and I was like, oh, buzzing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you want to share the analogy? Cause I think uh, yeah, I'll have to bring it up on my phone because, like, if you want it word for word, because I'm not going to lie, I don't, like, remember it word yeah, for yeah. word. I mean, I could give you the just general rundown of it. But yeah. and it's been cool to see that um, a lot of people, uh, like, that's caught a lot of people's eye and, and helped make a lot of understanding. But yeah. So it's also very heartbreaking for me because it's, like, diminishing what our people have gone through to a phone charger. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Like, I'm stoked, but at the same time, it kind of fires me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it reads like this, for those that haven't seen. Um, so you have your phone plugged into your charger. Your mate asks you to use your charger. You agree, but with the provision they need to give it back when they're done or when you need it back. They agree. Their phone gets to 100% while yours is at 10% charge. You ask for it back. They refuse. They then start charging money to people to use your charger but don't share any of that profit with you. 180 years later, they pay you out for the use of the charger under directive of the crown, but they only pay you 2% of what it's actually worth. People who don't know you or the fact that their phone was also charged from your charger complain at the fact that you get said payout and they call it special treatment. Treaty Settlements 101. And then I also put in the edit, meanwhile your yeah. phone's still flat because you never ever got your charger back. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't it's know very, how I came up with that. I just got thinking and, and yeah, I just, I guess, brain farted it onto the internet and it's funny how things catch fire, right? But 
but I guess yeah, as I learn more and, and find out about these injustices and and because me kind of like as much as I didn't want to diminish what's gone on in the past, to me it's kind of that simple. Like a promise was broken, something was taken. Obviously, the logistics of things it can't all be reversed. You can't snap your fingers and reverse the past. But there also seems to be sort of no acknowledgement of the wrong that was done, and you almost like people give you shit for complaining at that? It's weird. Like, mm. imagine if someone stole your car, robbed your house, you went to get justice for that, yeah. people gave you shit. Like, bro, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> just put up with it. It was it was ages ago, man. Just go yeah. with no car. You can't do anything and about it now. I think also with, like, your posts, like, you've sometimes got to take the, like, emotive stuff out of it for people to be able to, like, actually read it and listen because often, like, when you talk to people about sensitivity and all of that, they feel personally, like, offended, like, Pākehā feel like they're being uh, persecuted or, like, that they're the bad guy, and it's, like, that's not what anybody's saying, but you've got to understand, like, the history and the background, um, yeah, like, to see where we are now, but they take it, like, as a personal dig, as an insult to themselves, so, like, the way you put it took all of that out of it and explained it in such a simplistic way where there was no, like, chance of them getting offended and getting all, like, cognitive dissonance on it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, this is and it's funny as well. It almost touches on the social aspect of things and of life at the moment, right? Like people get mad, fucked off if your mate steals your charger, but you need it more. Yeah. <laughs> so like as much as it, it kind of lacks motion, emotion in certain parts, it tugs on the emotion yeah. of everyday life in other parts. It's funny. That's an excellent analogy. Um, uh, using the idea of a phone charger, because like you say, you know. These are very precious commodities to people. Um, the the going back to that idea of you know people being uh, Pakia being butthurt if you want to if you want like or just merely trying to get someone to acknowledge reality and the reality of history. Um, it goes back again to like what we teach people in schools because I was super fortunate. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but um, my social studies teacher in third form, Machu Julian, he like educated us on the treaty and, and in that setting, it was just like, it wasn't a, like no one was being attacked. We're all just learning mm -hmm. about history together and therefore... School. Yeah, and therefore, as a Pākehā, in the, like, when these conversations happened um, later on in life, I'd learnt that from an empathetic man in an educational setting about the truth of the history of the country, and it's not like, and so, like, for me, then, like, acknowledging what is what has occurred and what still exists and the ramifications of that is like not a personal attack. It never feels like a personal attack on me. It's just, you know, reality. And it's insane, like what, what gets taught in school instead. Like, I, I remember thinking about it, like I could have told you, you know, what year World War Two started and how many people died and, you know, like all the names of the important people involved, but I couldn't tell you the history of my own country. Like it took me to be old enough to like start understanding and look into it for myself to like really understand it and know about it and it's like that's that's crazy that that's that's stolen from everyone like the actual history of of this this land that we're living on mm. yeah yeah and i mean it, for me it kind of yeah i mean it all ties into once again that upbringing stuff i mentioned before like there's so much misinformation or misconceptions right like a lot mm. of a lot of like so a lot of my poorer friends assume that my richer friends have got it sweet Whereas, you know, I'd spent time with these households or these people with more money, but they'd have other shit going on. So, yeah, it might not be money related, but they've got their shit as well. And so I guess that's another why I threw my hat in the ring to demystify these Māori uh, ward seats is because I know that there's a lot of misconceptions. And to be honest, like my whole life has been demystifying the assumptions between Māori and non-Māori. Because, mm. like, you know, a lot of people make... Like, I know I've hung out with bros who make assumptions hard out about Pākehā people. And then I hang out with my Pākehā friends, they make hard out assumptions about Māori people. So, yeah, my life's kind of just been about, you, you mentioned before, Todd, I think the phrase you used was being a bridge. Like, that's definitely how my life has been for as long as I can remember now. 
Yeah. Is that a is that a fucking burden sometimes? Surely. Yeah, for sure, bro. Like, yeah. Like definitely, in terms of. Like you definitely got to be, I guess, be a bit more careful with how you say, and and it's kind of taken me a long time to realize I can actually tell people like, because I used to think it or feel it, but not say that. Hey, look, this is just my opinion. This isn't on behalf of every Maori to ever Maori. Like, that's just my opinion and my thoughts. And I never said that like in the beginning. So when I would explain things to people from my perspective, they would take that as being, you know, on behalf of all Maori. And then. Mm. Same buzz, like if I try to break things down to my Māori friends about assumptions or things that were going on with Pākehā friends that were close to me or whatever, they would be like, oh, Hips knows, so he's like speaking on behalf of. So it's that's been the part that's been a bit tricky to navigate growing up. Yeah. Thinking that you're an ambassador for the whole for the whole team. Yeah. Really, you're our, just walking in. Our hometown is a, <clears throat> like... In a lot of ways, it's a, you've lived out of there. I guess you're in Perth, though, which is also a fucking backward-ass place. But yeah. um, there's a lot of, of old-fashioned, old backward-ass attitudes in Taranaki. Like, as Pākehā, I've encountered them, and I'm sure you've encountered... And, like, in spaces where I don't expect to, too, as well. Like, I remember being in, in Sam Rapira's gym, which is Māori-owned and run and another white guy saying some incredibly racist shit to me, like, in the vicinity of Māori people. <laughs> and, like, so... And I do, like... Because I've, I've seen you in spaces that are, like, predominantly Pākehā and that ability to move between those communities. I bet you've copped heaps of that shit where Pākehā talk to you as though you're not one of them... Because, like, you're ingratiated into our Pākehā community. Um, you must have heard some wild shit, I'm sure. And I didn't even realise, like, I didn't even realise at the time that that's kind of what was going on. Mm. Like, when people would say, talk shit about, you know, like, Māori people, but they would say things like, oh, but not you, though, bro, like, you're different. And <laughs> yeah. I used to think it was a good thing when I was in school. Which I was just like, yeah. oh, okay, sweet. And then actually, when I got to, like, you know, 18, 19, 20, that's kind of when I was like, hang on, that's a bit fucked up. Like, that's, it took me a while to kind of click that some of these things weren't okay. But, yeah, for sure, bro, it's like I get a, and it's like on one side I get a brown pass and then I get a white pass sometimes when I'm on other sides because they're like, oh, but you're not one of those, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the terminology that's been used around me, so that's why I say that. Yeah. Um, there's there's he kind of just recently that it's been like, like, people know not to say that shit now. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I... And I think that's the other thing about you being quite vocal recently, too. Because I fucking, like... Uh, obviously, I'm not Māori, but, like, I understand... When I went back to Taranaki and I was involved in different communities for the first time, I understood that, like, being vocal, like, on any of my social medias, I was like, oh, there'll be people who I know who will be, like, really opposed to this. Like, I saw a guy, a guy I'd been around a bit, um, who, who just, like, I, f I had him on Facebook, and I hated his fucking Facebook because he'd just share Mike Hosking things all the time. And then at the... Was it was it when they, they passed the Māori Ward thing in Taranaki? And he, there was, like pictures of him crying with happiness and I was like I, like how do you weigh up you know uh promoting very anti-Māori things or anti-Māori spokes or mouthpiece and Mike Hosking and then also being very touched by this by this occasion that is very pro-Māori and I think I don't know it's just a it's a weird fucking place and you're it's small and if you move about community you'll be around people who are going to have weird fucking attitudes and it's a strange thing to navigate <laughs> for a Pākehā person. So I can't imagine what it's like for you. Like, oh, yeah, it's, it's trippy, you know. Like one of the most humbling experiences I think I've ever had in my life to date was so the first time that the Māori Ward got voted in and then you mentioned before the petition that took place which saw it get turned over um, 83%. I, I wasn't actually here for that. As you mentioned as well, I was living in Perth, and, and that's where I was for the first one. Um, so I, I wasn't even here. I was kind of blissfully unaware overseas. 
And then when I first moved home and started up uh, Best Side, started up the podcast, I one of the first people I sought out to have a chat to was Andrew Judd. So Andrew Judd was the first, was the mayor who ran um, or who was up and he actually brought in the, well, he tabled, I should say, um, the suggestion to bring in a, a Māori ward for council. I want to say 2015, it might have been, it must have been 16, actually. It must have been 16 because mm. this year there were elections. So, mm-hmm. yep. um, so that happened and, yeah, I was gone. And when I'd heard that this fella, you know, Pākehā dude had put Taranaki Māori on his back and, and try to help out and then just being absolutely slammed like this dude was having. So he runs an autometrist here in town. He was having, you know, stuff thrown at a shop. He had people coming in and calling him a monkey lover and all this sort of stuff. Like the dude was copying it. He had, I think, he, didn't I he get spat on? He got, yeah, he got spat on in he the supermarket. On, like, mm. you know, in front of his kids and, and all that sort of stuff. So... He had heaps of shit go on. I was like, man, I need to talk to this dude. So here's one of the first guests I sought out. And bro, to get schooled on kind of like, on like Māori matters, should I say, for lack of a better term, to get schooled on that stuff by a Pākehā dude, a Pākehā dude from Masterton. He's so, he's so, he's so white too. Like, no, has... no, like, he, he, like, I love Andrew to pieces and I know you wouldn't mind me saying this. Yeah. He's like the, the awkward uncle that can't dance at his 40th birthday sort of thing. He's a, he's a very white man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, man, when he, when he was scalding me up, and, and, and not only that, but taking me through his own personal journey about how he turned the light with it all, and then scalled me up on, um, yeah, on what had actually gone on and, and even challenged me on, on my perception. So one thing that he said, this might, probably might not be a big deal for you guys, you might be onto it already, but one thing that fucking blew my mind, it was so simple, um, as he said to me, okay, we're all meant to, they, they talk about how we want to be one New Zealand and one people, right? And I was just like, yep. And he was just like, cool, so let's all be Māori. And straight away, I was just like, we can't though. And then he was just like, well, then why do they expect Māori to be Pākehā? Oh. And I was like, yeah. fuck, I never even thought of it like that, bro. And, like, I, and I was like embarrassed because I was like, you know, like, I'm, like I said, I'm getting schooled up on what I call quote-unquote Māori matters from a very white dude and I was like fuck and that like we carried on like it was like a two hour podcast episode but I like that sat with me for like a week man and I keep on cracking up laughing at myself that I don't know I guess I've been so colonized that I didn't even look at it like that and I was cracking up yeah it was pretty incredible um I think like I, I got to have a little glimpse I met Andrew quite a while ago Andrew Judd and um on the occasion that I met him Because I was like, it was all quite, I was very intrigued by him from what I'd seen. I was like, what, what is this? Like, it's, you know, it was really like, what the fuck's going on here with this guy? Um, It's real unique, eh? Yeah, it is a fucking unique situation. And like, it just, yeah, it seemed very odd to me. But when I met him, he was with a woman, uh, a Māori woman who was acting as, as um, I guess, like from what I perceived to be some sort of an advisor or, um, you know, she was kind of, it seemed like she was mentoring him through this, you know. So I think in media and stuff, he got a lot of credit and that was probably by design because I think, you know, it's like talking to men about misogyny, sometimes they might need to hear it from men rather than woman first. And so for Pākehā to hear about race, racism, they might need to hear it from Pākehā. But yeah, I think there's like, there's people behind the scenes who are doing a lot of work who never got any credit for it with, with the whole Andrew Judd thing. But in, but in saying that, I want to give him credit too for yes. what he did because it's quite incredible no, he's, and he's brave. Funny, bro. So like, just to give you a bit of an insight into that, there's definitely a machine behind him. Yeah. But, um, well, there was. And it's funny, like there's, you know, usually there's, there's, well, my experience, and I'm sure you guys have seen this too, usually there's an argument or a power struggle for the limelight. That's mm. real crack up with that crew. There's actually a power struggle or a battle to not be in the limelight. Yeah. It's like, no, Andrew, you got to be the mouthpiece. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, like, this is my co-papa, this is the tongue of funeral, blah, 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 someone else. And it's actually crack up watching it. And I'm just like, can you guys hurry up and decide who we're quoting for this, please? You know, so... <laughs> It's actually funny. Um, 
watching it go to work. And, and bro, and, I mean, I was super cynical of him as well. That was another reason why I sorted him out. And I think that's quite natural with a lot of, of Tangata Whenua is that, okay, this, you know, if I use Andrew for an example, and I just explore my own thoughts here, okay, here's this Pākehā fellow that's wanting to champion us. So he says, what's in it for him? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what's the ulterior and motive? That, and that's natural, you know, for anyone else out there who has those thoughts, that don't feel shit because I think that's a natural thought and I think you're entitled to that thought because yeah. typically when we have, like, been trusting and letting it go, we've, we've traditionally and historically we've been fucked over, so... I was gonna say. I was gonna say. What possible reason would Maori have have to 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 be cautious of a white man in power? Um, yeah, uh, it's it's a pretty cool story, and I guess like one one to be proud of for for where we're from. And um, is it? Do you have Maori warden Rotorua? Kind? We have um, not. Like specific, not like that, not like a seat. Um, we mm. have a partnership, so we have um, Tato Tiarua, which is like a group that is elected that works like in partnership with the council, but it's not actually seats on council, so it's like yeah, a yeah. entity. Um, they do, but yeah, minimal, like it's like more, yeah, they get um, some sort of say in like the going-ons of council, but it's, it yeah, similar, not so, so we've got a similar thing here in Taranaki called Te Huinga Taumata, mm. um, and they, it sounds similar, like they're an advisory board, so a committee yep. made up of local iwi, um, yep. and I guess decisions and stuff get referred to them, and they, yeah. um, you know, can reflect on them and give suggestions, but they don't actually have voting power. So right. That, yeah. You know, that, and that, and I, I've, from what I've learned, that's what a lot of councils have set up. They've set up these committees and gone. I oh, see that. See, there's a multi voice there, but yeah, they don't yeah. actually have any any voting power. They can only make suggestions, and even the suggestions they make can get completely like ignored. Well, and as well with having it like as a separate entity that's not part of council, even though like they call it a partnership. It's like it makes it viewed by everyone else as not as important or like not as you know the same. It just needs to be legislated that everywhere has to have Māori wards. Like that's yeah. It sounds yeah, my two cents. It sounds kind of like sorry. No, sounds, no, okay, you go. Sounds kind of like Dan's romantic relationships where he's like, yeah, <laughs> have, have a girlfriend, but I still do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. Is that, there we go. Is that, <laughs> That's it. Is, that, is that correct, Dan? <laughs> Not even fucking close. Uh, fuck Maybe them. we'll have to legislate Dan's relationships. So yeah. it's not be like that anymore. I yeah. need more representation. I'll, t- I'll talk to my pals at Hobson's Pledge and we'll see what we can do for you. <laughs> I was going to say I'll talk to Andrew Judd for you, but he probably won't want to work with Hobson's Pledge, so that's all we um, yeah. Even though if you talk about Hobson's Pledge real quick, like even, I mean, everyone knows that's fucked up anyway, but yeah. a lot of these regions that they are putting their influence into, they're not, they don't even reside in. No, exactly. That's what's so yeah. fucked up about it. Like, they can just interfere in a, in a different area that they have nothing to do with. Like, they're so fucking commodious. Like, that's not even the right word for this, but like... It's so nasty and fucking evil and, like, just, I don't know, it's... Well, and just, like, what are you afraid of, is what I'm like. I'm like, I don't get it. Like, what do you think is going to happen if there are Māori warts? Like, what is that going to change in your life? Do, do you know what Do you know what it is? Like, my, one of my many theories, they think they think we'll do to them what they did to us. Mm. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, that's kind of what it comes down to. They don't want to give people too much power or one seat because one seat can lead to two seats, can lead to three, can lead to four, can Lord can lead to God forbid a fifty fifty partnership, which is what was promised anyway. But that's that to me that's kind of what it is. Like it's it's the fear of having done to them what was done to us. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. think I hate to speak in them and us's, but it, you understand what I mean when I say that. Oh well, we live in we live in a pretty them and us world, I think. So you know, and I, I, yeah, I think there is some inherent fear there of, you know, it's kind of like when I, when I was violent 
and used to fight all the time, the idea if you had a fight with someone was like hurt them so bad that they won't fucking like ever try and come back at you. Like, um, and if, and if you did hurt someone and I was, and you knew they weren't afraid of you, then you'd be watching for them. It's like, oh fuck, like, (laughs) they're going to try and get me. Yeah. For me, it's it's pretty simple, right? Like, and that's, I guess, why I kind of get frustrated and why I've, I've become a bit more vocal with everything when I'm usually quite a chilled dude who doesn't do politics. Um, (laughs) like, it's for me it's simple like there was a disconnection right like there's a disconnection that was purposely done you know tangata whenua were disconnected from who they are as a people and i simply see this as being one step towards reconnection and so for me it's that simple there's a separation let's reconnect so then when people say that this part is special treatment fuck, I get wild, eh? I'm like, mm. well, that wouldn't have to happen if this never happened. So if you're saying that the connection is special treatment but not acknowledging the disconnection that happened, the purposeful disconnection that happened in order for the necessity of that reconnection, then shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right? So so now 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 we're speaking with political hoa <laughs> um, you you strike me as a person who might wind up in politics, especially with what you're speaking about and like the man, like politics in New Plymouth are so fucking white. Like there's so little representation. Um, is it? Do you see that in your future or not? Nah? I reckon locally, yeah. Mm. I don't know. If, I don't know if I would go like nationally. Yeah, uh, just crack up because I've actually been spending a bit. Of, I spent a bit of time a few weeks ago with the Maori Party uh, oh. down, down in Wellington. Yeah. Um, so when people saw photos of that popping up, there was uh, people asking me like, "Oh, what's going on, bro?" But, <laughs> but no, that that simply came about because um, the two representatives that are in there, um, one is my cousin, oh, and, yeah. and the other one was my first boss. Uh, yeah. So the leader of the Maori Party, Debbie Ngarewa Peka, she was my first. She actually hired me into radio. Yeah, so, right. So is, she me, from, is she from Hawara? She's from Pātia. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So for me in my own eyes, um, she, I, I owe a lot of, of who I am as a person to, to her because she gave me that first opportunity. She fucking, she shouldn't have hired me, bro. Like, I interviewed useless <laughs> as, like, I just shouldn't have happened, but she she took a chance, you know, she took a pump and she had faith. So I back her up with as much as I can. So yeah, that's how that happened. But our local politics, man, for sure. I think um, not only because like the big reason that pulls me into it is because like you mentioned it, I've got a kind of inherent knowledge of the different cross sections across our community. Mm. And so I might not know them intimately or like, super well but i know for a damn fact bro that i know it better than the people that are there at the moment oh for sure mm. and <laughs> you heard it i heard it here first folks uh hohepa temuana running uh for the new plymouth electorate <laughs> 2022. Uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so you know i am yeah it's, and that's once again something i never ever thought i would be mm. um but it's yeah it's, it's leaning that way and it's funny, like, I'm getting all the pushes from all the right people. You're like, we've all got those mates, right, that, like, will try and encourage you to do some shit. And no disrespect, but they've done fuck all themselves. Yeah. But then, you've got, but then we've, when, when you actually get those mates that are doing big things or they kind of have a bit more weight with their recommendations, so to speak, like, I've, like, yeah, I've got those people in my ear all the time, like, come on, bro, now's the time, now's the time. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe if, um, uh, if if I ever move home, we can like do a we can do a thing together. Can you run as two people, or does it just have to be one person? For for local council, you can only do it as one person. But for we can run on a ticket. You can like run as a like yeah. um, as a collective. Like so, you're individually elected, but you can say like we're on this. Yeah, we're we'll, on that. How not to be an asshole ticket? <laughs> we'll we'll take my <laughs> we'll take my mate Glenn Bennett out. <laughs> yeah. 
But that was so funny. Like, it was, and it's it's real cool, like seeing him do his thing too, bro. Like I like you've you've known him probably a lot longer than I have, but it's like similar circles, you know. Like I think I met him and and Mark around the same time, and like yeah, right. When I was like a kid going through like quote unquote the system and shit, mm. and like it was funny, bro. Like I was at one of the nights where um they did this thing like I meet the candidates and they had this like like this ice cream container and they had questions from like everyone that was there watching. Yeah. And uh, Glenn came and seen me before it started. Like we were there had a, like, and just had a kind of good laugh. And he was like, Oh, it's good to see you. I was like, yeah, you too, bro. And kind of had a reminisce on some old times. And then, um, they were drawing out questions from the container and he, he pulled out and he just looked straight at me and I was like, Oh, what's going on here? And he read out his question. And I was like, can you give us an example of how you have helped out the community of New Plymouth? Oh, and I was shit. like, that's fucking bread and butter for this guy. Like, yeah, so much shit for so long. And that's why like, he looked at me. I think the look he gave me was, I mean, I've never actually spoken to him about it. I need to. And he's been a busy man since being elected. For sure. But he looked at me like the, uh, the look was definitely like, watch this, bro. Like, <laughs> and then it was cool when I went down to um, watch Debbie and Dawadi's maiden speeches in Parliament the other week. Um, oh. when, I sat, when I sat in the gallery upstairs, yeah, and um, when I walked in, he like looked straight up, and I saw Dan, and he's like, you could see he was stoked that I was there. He was like, oh, nice. I, like, I didn't even think to come watch your one. What a stinker! <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they, they took a seat, and then yeah, watched those go down. So it's cool to see him, and like, like he deserves to be in there, bro. Like I think he's ah. the intimate knowledge of of uh, New Plymouth's landscape as well because of all the money he's done. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, I was very, I was very happy to see Glenn get in. In, in New Plymouth, it's, yeah, fuck, for so many reasons, um, but yeah, it was pretty beautiful. Uh, did do did you have a did, how many politics nerd Kaya Spark? How many ma- maiden speeches did you watch? <laughs> um, no, I've only I've not watched that many. I've probably watched like four. Ricardo's. Yeah, Ricardo's. Ricard, Ricardo, <laughs> Ricardo Menendez. Um, Menendez March said. Be, what do you say? Be gay, do he crime? Said, be gay, do crime. And his maiden speech. His <laughs> one was dope. And, and that um, other fellow from the Greens too. I forget his name. but yeah, the, I know. Yeah, man. His yeah, speech, yeah. Like, I love Debbie and Darwin and I was stoked to be there in person. Um, but I, I think Tiano's speech is like the speech of 2020 for maiden speeches. Yeah. If you haven't seen any Todd, like, go watch that one, bro. Right. He quoted my favourite beer, Double Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so many drops, like, he talked about being, what he, he, like, talked about being from, quote, unquote, Rewa Hard. Like, mm. it was mean, like, so. I didn't, I'm not going to lie, like, I didn't even really know who he was. I just had Parliament TV on that day. See, like, who the fuck am I? Like, I would never watch that either. And now I have it on in the background while I do shit. Yeah, right. Um, but I had that on, and... Like, I actually put down my work and stopped what I was doing after, like, because <laughs> he just caught my ear and I just watched the whole thing. It was dope. Man, speaking of, like, we've spoken a lot on this podcast about representation and, like, how it can be heartbreakingly vapid. But then, you know, the maiden speeches of these people entering parliament and when representation when representation means something how fucking powerful it is mm, like, yeah. that's a really beautiful thing yeah for sure but, but so often it's just fucking meaningless and just uh just a fucking placating bandage on on everything i hope it's like inspiring to people though to like keep trying and keep like running because like it's like it sucks, like, <laughs> running for council or running for parliament, you know? Like, I so understand why people don't want to do it, but we need people like that. Like, that was, like, especially how I felt watching Ricardo's, like, speech. Like, so many people would have been like, nah, bro, like, just give up. Like, you're an immigrant, mm. you know, you don't have a degree, all of those sorts of things. And, like, he just kept at it, and now he's there, and he's going to do fucking amazing things. He's very you much... local council yourself, is that right, Claire? Yeah, yeah, I ran in um, 2019. No, yeah, Good last year. Pardon? Again? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I feel like I have to now because I've yeah. like set a, set a standard. But 
I'll hey, see. It's hard. Act enthusiastic because I'm kind of trying to. Oh, coax, yeah, sorry. No, it's um, amazing. And, and I would. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd suggest everyone do it. Well, yeah. no, not everyone. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, oh, I'm well drunk by now, and now my notes are. Yeah, what are you drinking? I saw you pick up a big bottle or something before. I got a straight Henny again. No, no, I got a bottle of Ballantines. Before you move on quickly though, bro, like just very quickly with that whole, that note that you touched on with representation mm. and how like a lot more, I, I love it at the moment, what I'm loving about it and I, I don't know if anyone who's new to politics feels like this or if it is actually something that's, that is seeing, it's not just my, you know, infatuated imagination, but it feels like the ideas and the speeches and things that are popping up in this 53rd parliament is that the ideas and things are quite contrasting and I mm. quite like that like some of them obviously a lot of them are on the same page but they've got a different way they want to go about it and so I think that's super motivating and encouraging too is that whereas before we just saw like one kind of pale male statal sort of approach right whereas mm. now you know we talked about Tiano, Ricardo, Nobody, Gibby mm. I feel stink because I don't remember the lady's name, but there was a there was a lady who got voted in on the electric somewhere in, in Southland. I want to say, I want to say Gore, but I'm not a handy on that. For what party? Her, her speech was amazing as well, and it's um yeah it's got it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how we go over the next few years because I think there's going to be a lot more robust debate because people are going to have to justify what they want to do a lot more now. Whereas it seems like last time it was just a bit of a blame game. But they're doing yeah. shit with this, so get on board with us. Whereas mm. now there's so many fresh new faces, like you can't say they were shit last time. You can try and say, oh, they're new, they've got no experience, but that's the majority of people in there. Yeah. And I think it's so, so exciting to have the Māori Party back um, in Parliament. Like that's going to be so huge to pushing the government, especially like. Um, like gutted that Labour didn't wait to see if um, like they wanted to invite them into an agreement but I think it's kind of good to have them on the outside to be like pushing because then they're not tied to anything that Labour does like they can criticise all they like you know while still voting for the things that are good but having that like left voice um, outside of government is huge yeah for sure even challenging little things like wearing a tie like mm, I'm so yeah. getting, like it's kind of like, so I don't know if you know, Todd, but it's like you have to wear a tie to speak in Parliament. Yeah, and right. It's interesting because Jordan Shaw, leader of the Greens, and Dawoodi co-leader, sorry, co-leader of the Greens and co-leader of the Māori Party, Dawoodi Waititi, they're kind of leading the charge on mm. let's give it a tie. They're archaic. Like, what's the purpose? Yeah, what the fuck for? Yeah, yeah. So so it's it's funny. It's cool to see, like, I guess the organic partnerships that are forming over values and beliefs as opposed yeah. to being negotiated at a table. Yeah. Do you know what, you know what ties are? It's fucking like, it's, it's exclusionary fucking uniform. It's like, mm. this is who gets represented in here. You know, like, like you can't go in there. Like I was going to say before, before you run for something in Taranaki, you're going to have to get a haircut. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, and that's what it is. It's like, um, and that's something I'm real adamant about in my work. Cause I got to deal with like a lot of professionals and shit. And I just always am adamant about turning up as, as I am, because it's like, I don't have to pretend anything or fucking like make an attempt to fucking trick you about who I am. This is who I am. This is how I dress. Well, and it's like that weird idea that your clothes or the way that you look. Um, is like indicative of your competence at something mm. when it's like that's just ridiculous like I spoke about this um, I got interviewed by a young girl who's seen an article like about climate change and politics and stuff and she was talking about um, like how I felt like in like um, the meet the candidates events and it was really hard because like I didn't want to try and conform and dress a certain way but then I also like didn't want to feel super uncomfortable and like out of place so it was like yeah. always trying to like you know um walk that line of like being who i am which is why i'm there but then also like fuck i don't want to be like like super uncomfortable in this space that i'm already not welcome in so yeah yeah it's it's a real weird one that like 
clothes and and looks like how you have to dress and and seem a certain way to be considered competent at something. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, it's it's elitist bullshit. It's like fucking, you know, like it's tertiary education and, um, mm. you yeah. know, your voice doesn't belong unless you have these, these qualifications and blah blah blah. It's, I remember doing school debates, man, and like one of the topics was um, clothes maketh the man, and like. <laughs> Um, thank, thankfully for me, I was on the negating team, so like I could mm. pull it apart. But I remember like being teamed up with a good mate of mine, and he was like gutted. And I was like, "Bro, what's going on?" He was like, "We can't win this. Like, clothes obviously make it the man, so you're fucked." And we were, we were like fifteen, and I was like, "Bro, are you fucking kidding me? Like, we're, oh, no. said, we're all here in the same uniform. Does that mean that we're all the same?" And he's like. Well, no. And I'm like, well, fuck up then. Like, we were like 15. And I remember like having that debate then. And like to kind of know that's still how people think, it's, it's quite well. Yeah, it's very strange. We got, we got like maybe a minute or two left. I, I did want to ask you about Murray Chong. If you want to spend the last couple minutes wasting breath on that piece of shit. Um, do you know who Murray Chong is, Kaya? No, I do not. Uh, do you want to <laughs> tell Kaya who Murray Chong is? Um, so Murray Chong is the councillor, so he's an elect, elected member. He's the one Ooh. that's spearheading, he's spearheading the um, the petition against a Māori ward in Taramaki. So right. the dude's, um, you know, he's he's very pro-Trump. He's very kind of right-wing extreme. He ran for New Conservative as well, actually. Ooh. So, yeah, he's, he's yeah the polar opposite of kind of where... Taranaki is hitting and he's yeah he's um he's doing everything he can to, to maintain his uh his place it's actually funny I asked him to appear on my uh, own podcast did you oh shit yeah like a- ages ago kind of before him and I started banging heads yeah and like um I said to him oh but you want to come on the podcast man like it's all about like I know you're pretty um open with your opinion it's all about free thought and stuff I can't promise that we'll get on with some of the things you say, but I'll challenge you. And it's all respectful. Like, it's respectful challenging. I'm not going to yeah. punch you in the face. Like, but we, we might have, I promise not to raise my voice. Like, I don't need to run that lane. Mm-hmm. Like, we, but I'll just more like make you prove what you believe. And if I disagree, I'll say so. Like, it's not like a, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I'm keen to do it. And, and but all he did was turn around and say to me, oh, of course you want to have me on your show. I'll get your ratings up. And then straight, straight in, I was just like, I was like, well, I don't need you to do that, bro. Because, I mean, everyone loves ratings, and you want everyone to listen, of course. But, but that's not that's not the purpose of the podcast at all. He's not. He's so, not. A, he's not a fucking personality, Dan. Kyle, do you know who fuck you ever heard of Murray yeah. Chong in your fucking life? <laughs> no, right? Yeah. yeah. So then, so that, so immediately, bro, that kind of put me off. And then, as like. Because prior to that interaction, I think I just let him say whatever. Mm. And then as I had that interaction, and I kind of thought, well, that's a bit arrogant. But hey, whatever. Some people got their heads up their own asses. And then, yeah, when he quietly started speaking up about all this other stuff, and then when I knew that he was involved with the Conservatives and Holtz and Pledge, I was like, nah, bro, game over. Well, <laughs> Never mind. When, so, when, I, when I come back and we run together, Hips, we'll um, fucking just challenge him to a public one-outs. Well, bro, he, he cannot, like, I, I don't understand. Like, it's that classic thing, right, where he's not the most articulate man, but he just says a lot of shit that dumb people vibe with, and so, like, they all get on board. Yeah, oh, it's dog whistling. It's racism. Mm. Yeah. Ra- racist love of fucking bit of racism, especially if it's coming from, like, a position of yeah. influence and, you know, like... And the thing he always goes on about, too, bro, is that how... So his his grandfather, from what I understand, was was made a... Um, I can't remember the exact word, but it, it's like an ariki of Taranaki Iwi because he has his... So his name's Ray Chong, so if you didn't pick it up, his grandfather's Chinese. And he kind of helped propel the um, butter industry here within Taranaki. Oh, yeah. 
And so he hired a lot of Māori and stuff and got a lot of people into jobs and helped and shipped off butter to overseas and stuff and kind of was a was an OG hustler of the raw hair around here. And so he got a lot of mana and stuff. And so he always kind of uses that when when, when he gets called out on being uh. a racist and stuff. He's like, no, 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 like, my granddad this, my granddad that. And but I get heaps of komatsu and, and not even Māori older people, but a lot of Pākehā elders too. They're like, man his granddad would turn in his fucking grave if he knew what he was up to. Like, we knew that fellow or we've heard stories about that fellow. Like, he would not be, he would not be down with any of the stuff that Murray's doing. So, yeah, yeah I feel for him, man. Like, at the end of the day, bro, honestly, like, the bro is just perpetuating what he's always been told. That doesn't make it right, but he's just been told shit and been kind of brainwashed from the dark side. It's funny, bro, there's actually a local comedian here um, she, like, she does, she's not, like, super famous or nothing, but she does, like, little shows here in New Plymouth, and she does this little skit about how he just needs a good route because he doesn't have a missus. <laughs> but it's, it's pretty funny, man. It's a good spot. I don't want to ruin the joke for you. You'll have to check it out when you come. <laughs> I, I pity the person that has to have sex with that piece of shit. But um, just, just before we finish off, because you just reminded me, but I did want to plug an article I read about Māori Wards and it's fitting because it was written by uh, Lauren O'Connell Rapira, who is from oh, yeah, who is from Taranaki. Um, she's got a piece she wrote about it on spinoff. It's just short, but it's like it's a little. If you're uh, ignorant like myself, then it's a brief introduction to to what it means, why it's important, and the opposition to to Maori wars, but. We haven't even, like, talked about your podcast, bro, so I just want to, like, plug that quickly. Where can people find that and what, why might they like it? Why might Sweet. they? So, um, in an effort to be quick and, and fast here, uh, the podcast is called Best Side. Um, I spell it with three eyes, two reasons. We grew up around here in Taranaki thinking we were cool going West Side. So... Uh, <laughs> That's why you say best side, but also it's focused on uh, opening your third eye. So a little little bit there with the three eyes. Um, the tagline for it is conversations worth having, simply because I think there's a lot of conversations that have been swept under the rug or that have been shameful to have, and it's led to a lot of shit, and that is the place where I like to have them. Todd was actually my first guest that I ever had on the podcast. Oh. Um, so, yeah, that was massive, bro. It was a good opener because it, it let people see kind of what was going on. But Spotify, iTunes, Overcast, uh, definitely follow us on Instagram, Facebook. It's best side with three eyes. Oh, yeah, because the Instagram's engaging too. So you, like, do a better job with your Instagram than we do. You engage with your audience a lot. So, yeah, would encourage people to give that a follow. Um, well... Let's wrap it up. I feel like we've covered a lot of stuff. Um, I'm glad I could repay the favor, bro. Oh, man. That's, I don't, to be honest, like, not to put you on the spot, bro, and I don't think you ever could. Like, <laughs> you never forget your first brother, and you were mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful and sexy. Thanks so much, Hohipa. Um, yeah, I'll be in touch soon about our political campaign. <laughs> probably be having banter later on with, with the sports. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Lovely to meet you over Zoom yes, as well. well. We'll talk to you more about uh, running locally. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, heck, Kai up. She knows everything. For sure. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> Choice. Thanks, Tim. Right. Later, Bob.